So this is part one of the neutralization of the church episode. And I'm recording this afterwards because I am providing the slide deck that this is based on through a link that you'll find in the show notes. So go to the show notes and open up the presentation that I've got there and then follow along. I don't, uh, in, I don't indicate when slides change, but I think you'll be able to detect when. Um, when the subject changes, when things change, and you can you can look at the slides and just uh, follow along, and I think it'll be more helpful for you. So, here's the neutralization of the church, part one. This is the Worthy is He podcast. I'm Chip Stewart. It is Saturday, June twenty fourth, two thousand and twenty three. Um, it's the second episode that I'm recording today, and uh, this one is called the neutralization of the church. And I mentioned this back during the episode the believer's responsibility to the truth the uh, the one that i recorded um when i was teaching with the, the men's and women's groups at uh, Domity community church i mentioned that i was um, going to be developing that one it's been something that's uh it's something that's been on my mind for for quite some time and, and i think this is probably one of the more important episodes i might break it up into two i'm not sure yet but i do believe this is one of the more important ones, so we realize what's going on, that this is not happenstance, this is not, ha- this is not random. It is spiritual warfare, um, and, and Satan seeks to neutralize the effectiveness of the church. And I will describe that in more detail as we go. Um, I do have a, a slide deck uh, that I will be speaking from, and, and forgive me for not being able to share it because this is audio, but I will try to describe as much as I can uh, for you so that you, you understand the premises and the effects of of the attacks and um, and how it it results in the neutralization of the church. So before before we begin, I want to say that the areas I'm about to present in regards to neutralization of the church are, are by no means exhaustive, and many times may overlap. Um, sometimes it's very hard to get. Um, definitive buckets to place these things in. So, you, you know, you may be able to say, okay, Chip, that, that fits in this other category that you have. And it may be true. Um, it's just sometimes very hard to, to actually divide things up cleanly um, between the categories. But I, I think overall, um, I, I hope it gets us to think about how the church has been impacted by Satan's world system, because that's the primary means, uh, or at least one of the, the main means he uses to neutralize the church um, and I'm looking from a perspective of the West and, and more specifically the United States. I can't speak for the church in China or in Iran or in Africa or anything like that. I, I'm, I am I'm sharing this from, from the perspective of having lived in the United States and ha- having seen what's happened to the church and, and the culture that we live in within the United States and, and I guess maybe more the West in general. Um, I also want to say that this material is not meant to condemn anybody, uh, but it might make, make us uncomfortable um, and, uh, and make us reflect, because my hope is that uh, this will allow each of us to examine our own lives in the light of Scripture, and at the end of the day, to conclude whether we're being obedient to our Master, and, and if we are ordering our lives as faithful bondservants of, of, of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's, that's the most important thing. I want us to be able to, to say, you know, are we living as Christ should? Because I think a lot of things are, a lot of things in our culture are warring against our ability to be obedient. 
one of the things that led me to to think about and, and kind of dig into the neutralization of the church was a question that that I asked myself. And, and you know, as I look around, at least for the last you know several decades, um, maybe this is going to change soon. But why why is the church not being persecuted? Because in Second Timothy chapter 3, verses uh, 12 and 13, it says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Well, we sure see evil people and impostors go from bad to worse, and we see a, a whole lot of deception, of deceiving and being deceived in this culture today. Um, it, it's it's coming, coming out in spades. But the church is not being persecuted. The believers are not being persecuted. Some there's there's some you hear about who are, but writ large, it's not being persecuted. So my my thesis is: Could it be that the church in the West has been neutralized by the world system and poses little threat to Satan and his schemes? And therefore, that's why it's not being persecuted because it's basically been taken out of the game. It's not a threat to Satan and what he's doing. If we turn to Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 1, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Two main points here. It tells us not to be conformed to the world. And I believe that this is one of the main reasons why the church is not being persecuted, because it is conformed to Satan's world system. And as a result, or perhaps this preceded that, um, there's been a lack of discernment. Discernment of what is evil, but more importantly, what is the will of God? What is good and acceptable and perfect? And I think we certainly need more of that. So some of the foundational premises, and if you go back to my episode on the world system, um, you'll, you'll hear about these. The first one I have here is Satan is a liar, murderer, and there is no truth in him. You can find that in John chapter 8, verses 39 through 47. Satan is also the prince and power of the air, who is the chief of the world system of which we live in the midst of. The world system, this this world system that we are we, we do live in, reflects the characteristics of its architect and ruler, that being Satan. So we're going to see those characteristics, him being a liar, murderer, and, and a lack of truth, play out in the world system. And, and that, that came from the, the Satan being the prince and power of the air and the, and the chief of the world system. I refer to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. We also have to understand that we are either willing or unwilling participants in an ongoing spiritual battle. It's a real thing. Um, that's Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Christ has commanded us to make disciples of all nations and to be salt and light in this world. These are two of the, the main commandments that Christ has given his church while we are in the midst of the world system. So he expects us to carry this out. Our adversary, Satan, doesn't want us to do that. So he's going to seek to neutralize and prevent us from being able to make disciples and being salt and light in the world. There, there are many other commandments, but these are two of the main ones. And that's Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, and chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. The fifth premise, Satan hates the Father, hates Christ, and hates Christians. 
1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, and seeks to thwart their purposes, just like I was talking about. He does not want us to be able to make disciples or be salt and light in the world. So therefore, I believe it stands to reason that Satan desires to neutralize the body of Christ. So what does that mean? And has he been able to effectively accomplish it? And to a large part, unfortunately, I would say yes. Let's talk about neutralize and the definition of neutralize. Um, my having been been a soldier, um, and, and the Bible using military terms for the warfare that that we are in, being, like being a good soldier of Christ, as an analogy, uh, I, I tend I can I can use military terms. So I went to Joint Publication 1-02 to find the definition for neutralize, and that's a, that's a United States military publication. And it defines neutralize as this, as pertains to military operations to render ineffective or unusable. And, the, uh, and then there's another definition here, to render enemy personnel or material incapable of interfering with a particular operation. So to apply this to what what we're talking about today, Satan seeks to, one, render the children of God ineffective and or unusable by God, and two, render Christians incapable of interfering with his plans and schemes. So that's what I mean by neutralize and neutralizing the church and Christians. So some of Satan's general tactics, there's three main ones, I think. Uh, Again, I said this is not not exhaustive, but I'm sure you could probably think of others, but these are the ones that came to my mind. Temptation, deception, and infiltration. Temptation leading to sin, defilement, and spiritual adultery. 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, and he targets the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the boastful pride of life, and pride, lust and pride. The second, deception, leading to compromise. For example, in Genesis 3, where he tempted Eve with the, the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that God said not to eat from. He uses questions like, did God really say? And that can apply to anything in the Bible. Did he really say that he, he created the earth in six days and rested on the seventh? You know, did he really say that homosexuality is a sin? Etc. Etc. Another technique would be mixing lies with truth and, and giving half truths because that's not the full truth. And then the third one, infiltration. And he'll achieve infiltration of the church to achieve sabotage and subversion. For example, uh, you'll find one in Luke 7, chapter 7, verses 15 through 20. And one of the main ways of doing this is false teachers, which are spoken about often in the, uh, in the scriptures. So some of these, uh, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to talk about defilement at this point. This is, this is something that, that came to my attention as I've been reading the scriptures lately. Um, and it, I really hadn't paid attention to it a whole lot before. But Satan desires Christians to be defiled or to defile ourselves. And to defile is to taint. This is from Webster's 1828 Dictionary, by the way. To defile is to taint in a moral sense, to corrupt, to vitiate, to render impure with sin. So I didn't, I didn't know what vitiate meant, so I looked that up also in Webster's 1820 Dictionary. And the definition of vitiate is to injure the substance or qualities of a thing 
so as to impair or spoil its use and value. So this is what Satan wants us to do, is to defile ourselves in the world system so that we're tainted, we're corrupted, we're, rendering Im we're rendered impure with sin, and we have been impaired or spoiled in our use and our value. So what does this mean for the church when its members are defiled, when they've been rendered impure with sin? Well, one way is it impacts our effectiveness because God will not listen to our prayers. If you look at Isaiah chapter 1, verse 15 and Proverbs 28, verse 9, it talks about when, when you have that unforgiven sin in your life, God may not listen to your prayers. So Satan will certainly seek to cause us to defile ourselves as Christians. And he uses the world system to do that. And just remember, however, that Christians have a way to be forgiven our sins. 1 John 1, 9, where it talks about if, if we ask God for forgiveness, we ask Jesus for forgiveness of our sins, then he will grant that forgiveness. And so we're no longer defiled. We're not tainted. We're not stained. Our, our clothes are no longer stained, uh, to use that analogy. So defilement. Matthew chapter 15, starting in verse 10, talks about what defiles a person. It says here, And he called the people to him and said to them, Hear and understand, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a person. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? He answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone, they are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, Explain the parable to us. And he said, Are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. So it's that world system that wants to put those evil thoughts into our hearts. Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. It, it seeks to do that to us as Christians. And James chapter 1 verse 27 tells us to keep ourselves unstained from the world says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So clear reference here to the world system and how the world system can stain us. It can defile us, cause us to be defiled. Another, um, another tactic here, an, another uh, objective that Satan wants to achieve is compromise in the church. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3-4 through four says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. So we're talking about subtle shifts away from the truth. Pastors, preachers, teachers that do not proclaim the whole truth. Let me ask you, if you compromise the truth with a lie, just one lie, what do you have? You no longer have the truth. 
and our, and our Lord is the truth. You cannot mix any lies with that. Then you have no you no longer have the truth. If you proclaim if you only proclaim a part of the truth, what do you have? You do not have the full truth. You do not have the full truth. Um, on the slide here, I'm, again, forgive me, you can't see it, but there's a, a picture that I took at St. Bavo Church in Harlem, the Netherlands, and it shows on the left side Islam and the Prophet Muhammad. Of course, the Prophet, you, they can, you cannot draw the, the Prophet, so it's a, really a flame. And then on the right side, you have Christianity and Jesus, also a flame. And this symbolizes the coming together of these two religions, of making peace between these two religions. That's compromise. This is in what is supposedly a Christian church. That's compromising the truth. Because those two, the, the Christian faith and Islamic and the Muslim faith, they, they contradict each other. They're not the same. That's compromise. And it's a very real thing. Satan also, also seeks us to commit spiritual adultery. And on, on the slide here, um, it has like a meme and it has a, you know, a, a young man with a young woman together. The man's got his arm around the young woman on a bench. But, and, and the man representing Christ and, and, the, and the young lady representing the believer. And then behind the bench, the lady has her arm outstretched holding the hand of another man who's sitting on the bench who is the world. It's adultery with the world system. James chapter 4, starting in verse 4. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That is why Scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. We should not be committing spiritual adultery with the world system. So who does Satan target? How How does Satan get at Christians and the church and spiritual warfare. Well, he targets you. He targets me. He targets our families. He targets our brothers and sisters in Christ. He tar- targets our church leadership. And he also targets our neighbors and friends and tries to work through them to get us to do things such as defile ourselves, compromise, commit spiritual adultery with the world system. It's a spiritual battle that we're talking about here. But before I continue, I want to talk about the Christian's protection, you know, our protection as Christians. So we have to remember that Christ, before he went to the cross, prayed for the Father to protect us from the evil one while in the world system. Recall that he didn't pray for us to be taken out of the world system. He prayed for us to stay in it, but to be as in it, be protected from the evil one because we have a mission. You know, why didn't he pray to take us out because we have that mission I talked about to make disciples of all nations and that's found in John chapter 17 verse 15 remember that no one can snatch a true Christian out of the son's hand nor the father's hand that's John chapter 10 verses 27 through 30 remember 
nothing can separate the Christian from the love of Christ. That's Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 39. Remember that we as Christians have the indwelling Holy Spirit. That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, and Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 through 14. Remember, he who is in you, i.e. the Holy Spirit, is greater than he who is in the world. And that's talking about Satan. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. Remember, God instructs the Christian to put on the whole armor of God. He provides that for us. We just need to put it on and wear it so that we can stand in the evil day and to be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. This is critical. We cannot be strong in our own strength. He's not telling us to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps or anything like that. He's telling us to be strong in him and his strength. Remember that. That's Ephesians chapter 6. Remember that we are instructed to submit ourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. James chapter 4, verse 7. So we, we're told to resist the devil so that he'll flee from us. Finally, Christ tells us that he is with us always to the end of the age. Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, the very, the very final verse of that book of the Bible. So you have to ask yourselves, with, this, with these kinds of defenses, how is Satan able to effectively assault the church? Okay, this is the end of part one of the neutralization of the church. So uh, stay tuned for part two. And please remember that you can find the Worthy C podcast on several different platforms, uh, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Pocket Cast, Player FM, and Boomplay. And I pray that, that God blesses you in, uh, in all your, your ventures and that um, I pray for your obedience uh, to his commands. And I hope you have a, a great, great rest of the day.